This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Majid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. I'd like to begin by reading uh, something you're all probably very familiar with, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's poem, Call Me By My True Names. Do not say I'll depart tomorrow, because even today I still arrive. Look deeply, I arrive in every second. Be a bud on a spring branch, be a tiny bird with wings still fragile, learning to sing in my new nest. Be a caterpillar, the heart of a flower, to be a jewel hanging, hiding itself in a stone. I still arrive in order to laugh and to cry, in order to fear and to hope. The rhythm of my heart is the birth and death of all that are alive. I am the mayfly metaphor, metamorphosing on the surface of the river, and I'm the bird which, when spring comes, arrives in time to eat the mayfly. I am the frog swimming happily in the clear pond, and I am also the grass snake who, approaching in silence, feeds itself on the frog. I am the child in Uganda, all skin and bones, my legs as thin as bamboo sticks. And I am the arms merchant selling deadly weapons to Uganda. I am the 12-year-old girl, refugee on a small boat, throws herself into the ocean after being raped by a sea pirate. And I am the pirate, my heart not yet capable of seeing and loving. I am a member of the Politburo, with plenty of power in my hands, and I am the man who has to pay his debt of blood to my people, dying slowly in a forced labor camp. My joy is like spring, so warm it makes flowers bloom in all the walks of life. My pain is like a river of tears, so full it fills the four oceans. Please call me by my true names, so I can hear all my cries and laughs at once, so I can see that my joy and pain are one. Please call me by my true names, so I can wake up, so the door of my heart can be left open, the door of compassion. At home, even though it's become uh, so familiar over the years, I think still has the capacity to uh, catch in your throat when you read about the 12-year-old girl who throws herself into the sea because she was raped by the pirate. 
and I am also the pirate, right? What it offers is this kind of profound meditation on the nature of non-separation, of oneness, of compassion. But it does so by offering the kind of uh, God's eye view, a admonition to become one with everything, have nothing that whatsoever that is separate from you. It's a uh, profound and moving message. But I'm reminded of the uh, student who asked the old Roshi, how should I practice? I was told, die on the cushion. The student asked, are there any intermediate steps? And when I read Thich Nhat Hanh, I'm also inclined to ask, are there any intermediate steps? Let me now read a short passage from uh, Joko's uh, new book, Ordinary Wonder. Think of sitting as eating. What we have to digest is difficulty. You like most food, but there's one you particularly don't like. Say parsnips. I hate parsnips. But your best friend is giving a dinner party and a big bowl of parsnips is sitting in the middle of the dining table. Your friend tells you that she's made this wonderful new recipe. You're gonna love it. She loads up your plate with parsnips. How are you going to avoid them? Parsnips don't look any better close up, by the way. They look worse. They look, now what are you going to do? What we want to do with difficulties is to keep them away, to discuss the parsnips perhaps, but never eat one. Well, I guess I would say this is a good example of an intermediate step. And I think it's a unfortunate dilemma in our practice that when we read a poem like uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's or read some old sutra, we're able to uh, think about oneness in a way that even if the imagery is very vivid, it's pretty much at an abstract kind of level. Like I say, it's a kind of God's eye view of becoming one with all of life. But what we have to deal with most of the time is uh, very ordinary and unpleasant, not in the realm of rape or war or death or starvation. It's more like the bowl of parsnips. And too often, what we want to do is discuss the big universals 
and not pay much attention to what we're doing with the parsnips. Now, I think a lot of what Joko did, what I'm doing in terms of trying to integrate some psychological mindedness with our traditional Zen practice, is work through lots of intermediate steps, not in any kind of uh, systematic or programmatic way. but just an attention to the, the psychological realities of everyday life. And one thing I've been thinking about is that this practice of ours, for me at least, uh, over the years has focused a good deal on the idea of acceptance, acceptance as uh, non-separation, acceptance as developing a non-judgmental stance towards others. And I find that um, for myself at least, uh, there's a big gap sometimes between acceptance uh, in this kind of uh, version of um, non-separation and something a little more ordinary, but uh, I find much more difficult, the idea of forgiveness. I, I find that I can... Uh, accept all sorts of things that actually I'm not prepared to forgive. It turns out to be a different process. Acceptance is all about sort of the way things are. And I can accept the way things are, the way I sort of accept getting old or having a bad eye, I don't like it, but it's part of the landscape of my life. But it's very uh, different from, you know, when my partner leaves the uh, cap off the olive oil bottle. It doesn't put the butter back in the fridge. I find that it's very, in a certain way, it's easy for me to accept it, but much harder for me to forgive it. They're different. Now, part of the way I understand uh, that difference is uh, something I've learned, you know, as a matter of fact, from the person who doesn't put the uh, top back on the bottle. Uh, Jessica has written a lot about uh, the issues of acknowledgement and forgiveness. A lot of this comes under the heading of going beyond doer and done to. But one of the things that uh, I've learned about the nature of forgiveness is that it has to take place 
within this realm of separation. Right? You, you can't smooth over difference in the name of acceptance. You have to really be de dealing with this other person who's done something uh, not only that you don't like, but maybe he's been very hurtful or harmful. I think forgiveness involves separation and a separation that is uh, maintained at both ends. On one end, uh, through anger, and on the other end, uh, through guilt or perhaps shame. And... One of the interesting things about uh, forgiveness is that it, uh, unlike acceptance, I think is a relational transaction. Now, people may use the, these words uh, somewhat differently. I'm not sure I can say something that's definitive about them right now. But the way I want to use those words uh, in this context is to say that acceptance is something I can do on my own. It's sort of um, the way, like I say, it's the way I accept getting old. I don't need anything from old age come, uh, in order to accept old age. It's just part of my world, right? But before I'm going to forgive you for not putting the cap back on the olive oil, I want you to acknowledge that you made a mistake, that you did something wrong, that your actions were in some way neglectful or hurtful or uh, thoughtless. And when you make that acknowledgement, uh, then there's a sense in which we say, all right, I, I see that. I've done that same thing myself many times. I can see how that happens. Uh, I'll forgive you this once. <laughs> uh, the point, though, is, is it's a transaction. It's a, it's a back and forth. It involves the uh, acknowledgement of, uh, by the other. And I think that some of our language in Buddhism or our practice tends to skip over these things. Uh, as in the uh, Thich Nhat Hanh poem, we, we aspire to a, a level of universal acceptance where we can say, I will allow myself to identify with the sea pirate. Say, I'm capable of everything like that. I'm part of the world of violence, harm. But it doesn't confront the individual and ask him uh, to acknowledge or come to terms with what he's done. That's an intermediate step, much harder.
part of what acknowledgement and forgiveness are about, I believe, are the sort of the actual uh, sort of micro healing of separation. They don't um, eliminate it by going up a metaphysical level to the universal. They say, how does the repair happen at the level of the relative? And both anger and guilt separate us from each other or separate us from uh, the group of good people that we want to feel part of. When we look at um, things like the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa, one of the ways that those things functioned was that they did not uh, offer a kind of blanket pardon or sense of acceptance to uh, perpetrators of crimes under apartheid. What they did was require perpetrators to come in front of a council of representing the people they had harmed and make some acknowledgement of what they had done. And it's only when that acknowledgement was made that some act of forgiveness was offered in return. And what that does is reintegrate people into a shared uh, society. I was thinking too of a uh, paper by a friend, Martha Bracken, who wrote about working with child soldiers in Uganda, uh, a scene right out of one of the, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh poems, where you talk about what do you do with children who since an early age have been given guns and machetes and have committed atrocities? What kind of therapy uh, works for them? And she wrote about what it means to create rituals of uh, healing and acknowledgement in which the children can be able to say, we were dirty boys and we need to wash ourselves clean and create a ritual of cleansing themselves that allows them to then come back into society and close the gap through ritual acknowledgement and forgiveness. What I'm suggesting is that um, issues like forgiveness uh, really are going to engage us 
at a much more difficult um, intermediate level than our usual language of acceptance and compassion and non-separation and oneness. Uh, we have to go down into the weeds of separation before we can uh, come out into some uh, clearing of, of universal compassion. Uh, we shouldn't use our practice uh, to bypass those steps. <laughs>